When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. You know about our teams. What's that your brother today, man? Don't leave nothing on this field. <laughs> but how well do you know this week's opponent? Let's go behind enemy lines. Now back to Dan Grasso on 98.7 ESPN. That's right, hour number two on this busy Wednesday. And that's right, we bring back behind enemy lines. Jets got a big one. It's a team they know quite well, a team that they saw just a couple of weeks ago, and they lost to MetLife Stadium. Now they get the Patriots again up in Foxborough at Gillette Stadium. Always a spirited contest. And to help us talk about the team to the north, we bring in our next guest. He is, of course, the founder, the man in charge of the Boston Sports Journal, and he also graduated from a very prestigious university in New Brunswick, New Jersey. He is my good friend, Greg Bedard, who joins us here on 98.7 ESPN. Greg, how are you, buddy? Good, Danny. I'm uh, looking forward to seeing our boys on Friday night at a Mohegan Sun in the uh, Hall of Fame Temple. Classic. So against Temple, yep. Looking forward to it. Isn't it amazing that we sit here all these years later and the basketball team is our one shining thing that we can hold on to? Who would have thought, right, after all the down years that they gave us? <laughs> hey, look, look at the men's soccer team won the Big Ten. How about that? So we got something. Yep. Men's soccer, men's hoops. That's what we have to hang our hat on. Uh, all right, let's talk about the Pats here. Five and four. Look, technically they're in last place in the AFCs because the division certainly is one of the better ones. Mary, the best in the NFL here. But through nine games, is this kind of what you expected to see from them or what has surprised you? Uh, yeah, pretty much. I mean, I, I actually thought that they would um... – that they would be six and three at this point. The only game I've gotten wrong to this point, uh, spread or straight up, is the Bears game, which was just, you know, just shocked the, the hell out of me that they got not only beaten by Justin Fields and the Bears at Gillette, but they got beaten up by them. And so that was a surprising result. But where they are playing good defense, um, struggling on offense, it's right where I thought that they would be. Um, you know, I, I, I do think. I thought they would make a little bit more progress offensively, but um, this is where they are. I mean, it's who they were all summer. They were a mess in training camp. It's continuing in the season. You can make the argument that it's gotten worse uh, up until this bye week. What is the status right now with the quarterback position? Because, I mean, look, you watch them, and I know that Mac Jones got hurt. Bailey Zappi got an opportunity. and I'm not sitting here trying to make it out as if he was the second coming of Tom Brady, but you can make an argument that the offense was operating a little bit better with Zappi in there as opposed to Mac Jones. Do you think that Bill would have a hook at any point for Mac Jones to go back to Zappi here? No, it would take an extended period of time. I mean, look, Zappi was a nice story, and, and some of the Patriots fans are clamoring him, just saying, like, well, you know, we scored points and we won when he was the starter. Yeah, but, I mean, there's context involved. I mean, it was against the Lions and the Browns, two of the worst defenses in the league. Uh, you know, they got ahead. The defense played well. He didn't have to make, you know, any challenging throws in those games. They they used a, 
an offensive scheme which was ground-based with play action where I don't understand why they haven't used that with Mac Jones. They got the, the ball out of Zappi's hands quicker. Um, they have not done that with Mac Jones. And so to me, uh, it, it's a nice story. I just think he's limited. He's small. He's about six feet tall. Not a great arm. Uh, definitely poised. Uh, he's definitely shown me more than he showed in training camp. But uh, it would take an extended, I would say, like a four-game stretch. Like, say the Patriots went like one and three to be eliminated, where maybe Belichick takes a look at the end of the season to sort of set things up for next year. But for now, for the extended period of time, it's Mac Jones' team. What do you think ultimately the ceiling is for this team? Like, you know, like when you say expectations and so on and so forth, I, I mean, how much can this team, given the roster the way it's constructed, well, like, where do you think they max out at ultimately? Well, I mean, I think, I think if, if you had faith in the offenses, offensive coaches, that if you had uh, experienced offensive coordinator, experienced line, let's just say uh, Josh McDaniels and Dante Scarnecchia were on staff and running things. Mm. I would say this team had as good a chance as anybody except Kansas City and Buffalo in the AFC. But because of how deficient they are on offense, um, I mean, look, they went 10-7 and seven and lost the playoff game last year with, with a rookie quarterback and a bunch of first-year people in the system. They're all back. I mean, basically everybody but Shaq Mason is back. They added Devontae Parker, and they're about 50% worse on offense. So that's where the problem is. I mean, th- their current iteration, what I think their ceiling is or you know, what, what I expect out of them, I mean, I, I think at best you're hoping for a playoff berth and a playoff victory, but, you know, I think at this point they would be fortunate and they have to do a lot of work just to make the playoffs this year. Greg Bedard, Boston Sports Journal, joining us here on 98.7 ESPN. The view from down here, at least from a Jet perspective, as to how the game went a couple of weeks ago, it was Jets were the better team, but they made careless mistakes and the quarterback threw a few up for grabs and that contributed – to them losing the football game, also the play at the end of the first half with the roughing the passer penalty. You know, if that stands 17-3, who knows how the game turns there. But Game's over. Yep. Game's over in all probability. But how, from a New England standpoint, how did they view and how do you look back at that first matchup as we get ready to have them butt heads again on Sunday? Uh, we and I look at it as um, Zach Wilson turned into an idiot on the field and basically <laughs> handed the Patriots the game and that uh, he got away from what helped them uh, get on a winning streak before that game, which was basically they put Zach Wilson in a straitjacket, said don't make any mistakes, let our defense, let our running game, let us you know, make a few plays here and there, and you know, we can win that way. And then completely, for some reason, he lost his mind in that game and started just throwing balls to the Patriots. I mean, that's basically the way it's, it, it looks at, and that's, that's why I'm a little bit fearful of the Patriots in this game, uh, for the Patriots in this game, because the Jets were also on a bye. The Patriots are coming off a bye. The Patriots have not been good in recent years coming off a bye. Um, you know, they've lost, I think, I think they lost two games out of the bye last year, three games out of the bye the year before, even when they won in 2018 and 2019, including one matchup, I think, against the Jets. They're either tied or trailing at halftime and had to come back in the second half. So they start slowly. But the bye week, you would think it's enough time for them to drill into Zach Wilson's head. Dude, if it's not there, just throw the ball into the stands and let's mm-hmm. live another down and, and let's stay in the game because that Patriots offense is shaky. We can beat this team if we don't turn the ball over. 
And, and I think you're spot on because, I mean, that was certainly the, the way that we all looked at it, too, here in, that, in the sense that, you know, in years past, whenever Belichick would get his hands on a young quarterback, let's say, with the Jets, you know, the Sam Darnold game, I see ghosts, and it would just be confusing the heck out of him. Even the Zach Wilson, his first game, it was in week two last year in 2021 when he threw, I think, four interceptions. A lot of that yep. was deception, not seeing what the defense necessarily is showing him. That was different than this game a couple of weeks ago. To your point, it was just throwing the ball up for grabs. So, yeah, I think if his head is on straight, you're going to expect a different performance from this quarterback on Sunday. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I I thought the big thing in that game, and and I had seen it on film watching them coming into the game, and I think the Patriots even talked about it after the game, that if if Zach Wilson, what you want to do is you want to start get him scrambling and going backwards because then he's going to throw the ball to you. The Jets should be drilling into his head this week. Like, you get to your drop if you don't have anything. And first of all, be on the lookout for the Patriots in their zone zone pressure, zone blitzes. They love against these younger quarterbacks who get confused. They'll show a certain four on the line. They'll drop a guy out. They'll bring another guy. They do that all the time. That's, that's one of the easy ways to confuse somebody. You see any of that stuff, if your first read's not there, if you don't trust it, either throw it away or just tuck it and run with it because the Patriots have a ton of issues. Just look at Justin Fields, what he did at Gillette when uh, quarterbacks can be a dual threat. And I think Zach Wilson, if he, if he sort of plays into this, can be one of the better dual quarterbacks in the league because he can run also. And that's what they thought when they took him second overall, certainly, and they're hoping to see more of that player moving forward here. I'll tell you, you know, the defense has been pretty good. And Matt Judon, who, look, he's had a good career, certainly had a lot of decent seasons there with Baltimore. But this guy, I mean, you're talking first-team All-Pro. You're talking maybe defensive player of the year conversation. He's been unbelievable this season. Yeah, absolutely he has. The problem is, is that we, he, he basically did this last year, and then he fell off a map after the bye week you know he's cognizant of it he's talked about it all off season that he had to get in better shape he had to be ready the Patriots to their credit have curtailed some of his snaps especially uh against the run to sort of save him for pass rushing so I think they have a better plan as well but if this defense look they're 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 going up they're going up against a much better challenge in these final eight games as far as offensively and it's going to have to be more than Matt Judon in the, in the second half if they're going to sustain this level of defense. You know, Greg, when you look at this game, it's no secret. I mean, the Patriots have beaten the Jets 13 straight times, which is tied for, like, the longest winning streak in the National Football League. Okay, it's obscene. So the Jets are looking at this game as, hey, if we do want to make the playoffs, if we do want to get to the next step, you've got to finally figure out a way to beat the Patriots because they've been a thorn in your side yep. for so long. How are the Patriots, you think, looking at this game? Well, I think this is a huge game for the Patriots, not as much for the Jets, but for the Patriots. I mean, if they lose this game, considering what they have coming up, they have a, they have a short week. they got to play on Thanksgiving against the Vikings. Then they got to play, I think, the, the first of their Buffalo games. I mean, they have the Dolphins left. They have the, Buffalo, they have the Bills twice. They have a tough – you know, they, they don't have great records, but – uh, you know, they have to go on a West Coast swing at Arizona, at Las Vegas uh, against a former Patriots assistant. Those guys always do well against them. They can't give up any more games. They, their, their leeway went out the window with that Bears loss. And so if they lose this game against the Jets, um, they're going to be hard-pressed to, to have a winning season. And so to, I, think, I think they're viewing it that way, that this is, this is a huge game. I mean, if the Patriots don't win this game, I think their season is just about done. 
And a lot of that has to do with, of course, as you said, the division being so darn good and having to play these teams still for the remainder of the season like they do on the schedule. Before I let you go, um, how surprised are you at the way things have devolved out there in Vegas for Josh McDaniels? Well, you know, it's, it's disappointing. I mean, I, I, think, I think a lot of Josh and, and, um, and what he set up there, um, I, think, I think a lot of it's getting a little bit overblown. I think a lot of it's how you viewed the Raiders last year. I mean, if you think they were a legit 10-7 and 7 playoff team, then, you know, I can see how people are all over their case. But, uh, you know, there's the case to be made that, that the Raiders weren't that good, that they're, they're basically, you know, sort of rebuilding – and, you know, look, <laughs> they've, they've had the ball in their hands in six of their seven losses uh, at the end of games, and they haven't come through. Some of that's on the coaching. Some of that's on the players, including the quarterback, um, Carr, who has left plays on the field. Um, you know, disappointing, but, you know, I know they have a plan. I know they're trying to enact it, and uh, it's gotten off to a slower start. But uh, I, I can tell you on film, that team's playing hard. They're just not very good on defense. That's the biggest issue right now. They've had a lot of injuries. They don't have very much talent, especially Max Crosby, and that's about it with uh, cornerback Nate Hobbs out for an extended period of time. And so they just can't get enough stops, and they just can't make the play. I mean, they make one more play in every one of those games. We're talking about a much different season for the Raiders. But, yeah, definitely been a tough season for them. Yeah, no doubt about it. And, you know, certainly it's all going to come back to the head coach, as we know. They're the ones that, you know, get the most attention. They get paid, and we'll see if he can get that thing turned around. Greg, always appreciate a couple of minutes, buddy. Great catching up, and uh, go get our boys a victory on Friday, will you? Definitely will. See you, bud. All right, Greg, be good. Greg Bedard, Boston Sports Journal on the Patriots. Hey, no secret, it's a big game this week. It's a huge game. You know, like I said, to 13 straight times. You lose to an opponent. It's in Belichick. I mean, Belichick's still there, but it's ain't Brady. It's in the dynasty. There's no Gronk. It's a different Patriot team. And the Jets have done a lot of good things this year. They've got a lot of good wins, and you hope that they have more still to come. It's a good foot. On paper, they're a better football team than the Patriots. Thought that going into that game last week. You know, they should line up and beat them. You got to beat them eventually you got to beat them. You want to get to where you want to go. You want to make the playoffs. You got to beat this. I mean, 13 times enough is enough is enough is enough. Right? Enough. Got to start this week. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. Remember, we're going until 930 tonight. Then it's Knicks Nuggets basketball. It's Dan Grasso with you on 98.7 ESPN. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, 
Who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. <laughs> Remember, we're going to be back with you tomorrow morning, 10 a.m., in for Greeny, so 10 a.m. to noon. You, me, little local vehicle right here on 98.7. Let's go back to the phones. Let's say hi to our good buddy, Ira in Staten Island. He is up next, and he wants to talk a little Jets football. Ira, how are we doing? Hey, all good. All good, Dan. Looking forward to Sunday. And, you know, you, you both of you, you really spelled it out. You know, it's funny. <laughs> Game plans for both teams pretty much the same. Play field position, don't make mistakes, and make the other quarterback beat you. <laughs> it's really a carbon copy. And, it's know, exactly what it is. And, no, you're right. And, 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 you know, real quick, Ira, it's like, you know, there's going to have to come a time, and Robert Sala's talked about this, to where, you know, you have a quarterback that you took with the second overall pick. At some point, you know, you are going to let him loose and maybe have him go out there and throw the ball, you know, 40 times a game on a consistent basis. But that time's not now. It's not this year yet. And that's okay because this team has proven they could still win games with him just taking care of the football. That's right. And, and you know, this week, the Jets, LaFleur's going to have to get creative because he is going to have to make throws because Belichick's not going to let them run the ball. And the one thing, even though you know, they held the Pats at field goals, I was actually surprised because the two running backs for the Pats, they, they kind of they broke a lot of tackles. So the Jets have to really wrap these guys up. I, once again, I think the Jets win a close game. But to me, it's going to be one mistake. Either team, whoever makes the mistake, is going to end up losing this game on Sunday. But I think the Jets find a way to win this game. All right, look, I agree with you, and I thank you for the phone call. Look, I thought they would beat the Patriots the first time around a couple of weeks ago. But, you know, if not for the careless interceptions, the careless throws, and that's all they were, make no mistake about it, that that was nothing, that that was not Belichick brilliance or some genius coverage and a scheme and, you know, disguised blitz or anything. No, that was just careless decision-making by the quarterback. He'll be the first one to tell you that. Everybody knows it. And you hope that even though it's only been a few weeks that has passed, that he knows now I can't do that with the football. Right? Can't do that. Didn't do it in the last game against the Buffalo Bills where the other quarterback did. Right? Josh Allen had a couple of boneheaded decisions in that Jet game. Josh Allen made a couple of bad throws on Sunday against Minnesota. He's the one that leads the NFL in interceptions and has thrown four interceptions in the red zone in just the last two games. Josh Allen, MVP candidate. See, that could be the difference between winning and losing, even if you're a team as talented as the Buffalo Bills are, who, for my money, top to bottom, are the best team in the NFL, like roster-wise, most talented roster. Their quarterback, the last two games, has not taken care of the football, and they've lost both of those games. Simple as that. 800-919-3776, that's the telephone number. Casey in Sayerville, up next, 98.7 ESPN. What's up, Case? Hey, how's it going, man? Good, Case. What's up? Uh, I was just thinking, of a, it's a slim chance probably. What do you think uh, Sauce Gardner potentially being a uh, defensive rookie of the year and a defensive player of the year? I think right now he's definitely the front runner for defensive rookie of the year. Will he get votes for defensive player of the year? Maybe. I think he'll get some votes, but I can't see him winning it. Normally, if you're ever going to see a corner win defensive player of the year, like Stefan Gilmore. One yeah, defensive player of the year a couple of years ago. Generally speaking, because, like, unfortunately, the people that vote, they're not the guys who are watching 
you know, these players play like week in and week out, like, you know, with, with, with bated breath, for example. For a corner to win defensive player of the year, unfortunately, you have to have gaudy statistics like interceptions. You know, why, right. why do you think why do you think in what year was it? 2009 that Revis didn't win defensive player of the year. He, he was the runner up, but he should have won defensive player of the year because he didn't have as many interceptions as, let's say, a guy like Charles Woodson did because nobody threw the damn ball near Darrell Revis. So he couldn't exactly. get interceptions. That. <laughs> you know, it's, it, it's the always same thing. But the same thing. you know what? Sauce is doing his thing on the field. He's locking down a receiver completely. And you know what? Apart from Revis, see, Revis played mostly under, in those years under Rex. Revis played mostly man coverage. Jets are playing, for the better part, a zone. So Sauce is doing his thing playing zone, and it's still pretty much locking down one side of the field. It, it, and you know what? Give credit to DJ Reed, too. DJ Reed is playing at a Pro Bowl level on the other side of the field. Jets might have the best set of cornerbacks in the NFL this year. I think we lost Casey, but I thank you for the phone call. No, no, I, I, Oh, you're there. Okay. Yeah. In case, thanks for the phone call. It's the secondary's been outstanding. And think about how poor they played last year, right? Think about how poor they played. And see, when you talk about building a team for football, obviously, like the draft is going to be the foundation of your team, it's going to be the foundation. But if you want to go out and, let's say, in free agency and spend money, or on the trade front during an offseason. You can remake a defense a lot faster than you can, let's say, turn around the fortunes of an offense. You can. I mean, look at the Jets. Look at what the Jets did just from last year to this year. They went out and basically overhauled the secondary completely. They signed D.J. Reed. They drafted Sauce Gardner. They signed Jordan Whitehead from Tampa Bay. LaMarcus Joyner, who only played a half of one game last year before he got injured. Now they have him. He leads the team in interceptions, or he's tied for the team lead in interceptions at the safety position, right? They signed Quan Alexander during training camp, who's been great for them at linebacker. You know, you can just go and plug these guys in, and then boom, your fortunes are different. I mean, they had the lowest they, – they, they were the worst defense in the NFL last year, or close to it. This year they're a top-10 defense, and the secondary might be one of the best in the NFL. Joe Douglas and company made great moves, great moves. Offense takes a little bit of time. You know, you got to draft guys, you got to put them in the right position, and more often than not, it's still the quarterback at the end of the day that's going to determine whether or not your offense ticks or not. Nelson to Long Island up next. Let's try him here on 98.7 ESPN. What's up, Nelson? How are you? How's it going, buddy? Thank you for the call. Huh? Yeah. yeah. The call. What's up, uh, Nelson? Two things. Uh, two things I want to address, and it's pretty much both. They, they pretty much go and cohere with one another. Yeah. All right. Let's look at, for example, Zach Wilson's that game. Yes, he made his mistakes. The guy still went up there. He showed, you know, showed a lot of grit. Came the following week against Buffalo, like you said, top, maybe the top team in the NFL from top to bottom, based on roster and everything, else, and also based on the equivalency of what they put on the on the field. Now he came in, he did what he had to do. He came in, he came in with with that extra swag, which people from New York actually love. I'm, I'm one of them, and he came in, he showed the grit. He came in with swag. He took control of the game when he had to. No high expectations, but he made the throws that were needed. Let's not forget, at the first game against uh, New England, that one call changed the game. They would have been up 17-3 on the interception on the pick six. Unfortunately, rough in the past, he was just touched, but whatever. It is what it is. Then going forward, they missed a the field goal. Those are certain dynamics that change a thing. 
but he came back the following week and took over. He came back the following week. Ma- Mariano Rivera said best. What made him the best closer was short-term memory. Whatever had to be erased was erased. He's shown that progress. And another kid, who, which I have a whole bunch of respect for, R.J. Barry. I think he's a full-plex player, complete overall defensively, also offensively. He's going in there. He's durable. You take Zion, you take Ja, they're great, absolutely. But Ja's just coming up there. He's a 22-year-old kid who's very much mature. Let's stay back and let's believe in our players. Um, Nelson, thanks for the phone call. I, that's interesting. I never personally thought about that comparison with Zach Wilson and, and R.J. Barrett. Um, talk about that when we get back, because that actually got me thinking, believe it or not. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about that when we come back. And also, you know, we mentioned yesterday that Anthony Rizzo re-signed with the Yankees, which I think was a good move. But I think that people are maybe trying to read too much into it. And I'll explain that. Plus, we'll do some NBA coming up at 9 o'clock with my pal Justin Termini of Series XM NBA Radio. We go till 9.30, Dan Gross' show, 98.7 ESPN. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. <laughs> Knicks Nuggets coming up at 9.30. At least our coverage begins at 9.30. Tip time is just after 10 o'clock. So Nelson from Long, Long Island, our buddy, who just called up before we hit the break there, he, he really brought up an interesting point. The Zach Wilson, R.J. Barrett comparisons with their respective teams. Now, look, the quarterback on a football team is arguably the most important position in team sports, right? I would say the quarterback, and then I would say the goalie in hockey. That, those are the two most important positions in any team sport. So if you draft the guy second overall, like the Jets did with Zach Wilson, you are hoping that he is literally going to put the entire organization on his shoulders one day and lead you to the promised land. Not be a game manager. Not be a guy who just is playing good enough not to lose. Don't do anything stupid, things like that. No, actually to where you see what the established quarterbacks do in the NFL. Like what Buffalo asks Josh Allen to do, which is essentially like be their offense. That's why you draft the guy that high. That's why the Jaguars took Trevor Lawrence first overall. He certainly hasn't gotten to that level yet, but they're hoping that he will. And Robert Sala's spoken about this many, many, many times, that there's going to have to come a time whether it's next year, well, you hope it's next year already, it's year three, to where they can progress in this offense and turn the reins over to Wilson and say, okay, kid, now we're a pass-happy offense. Throw the football more. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. I don't have to remind you, Jets tried that same approach with Mark Sanchez, right? First two years, it was still a ground-and-pound team, defense, top running game. Sanchez, make the throws when you have to make the throws. Then in year number three, there was almost a change philosophically in 2011. They took the training wheels off of Mark Sanchez. And then he was asked to throw the ball more. And the mistakes mounted. And the Jets as a team suffered because they went 8-8. Eight and eight, They missed the playoffs. And really, they were never the same since. Okay? 
that day's going to have to come for Zach Wilson where you know or you're trying to know is he the guy or isn't he the guy. I don't think you're going to know yet by the end of this year. It'd be great if you did, but I just don't know if you're going to get to that point. R.J. Barrett, okay, he was taken third overall, not second. But there were two guys that were drafted ahead of him in John Morant and Zion Williamson where, okay, John Morant's a stud. He's one of the top players in the NBA. Zion, we know he's had some injury issues, some durability issues already so far in his career, but hey, New Orleans still thinks high enough of him to where they said, we're signing him, we're keeping him. We think that he can stay healthy, flash, and be a beast. Knicks re-signed R.J. Barrett, but we haven't seen beast. We haven't seen dominant. We've seen a nice player, a young player, who you hope is still getting better, but when are you going to see the signs? I know that all players develop and mature at a different rate. I'm not saying that there is a certain amount of time, games, years, weeks, that you have to make a decision one way or the other. That's not the way this thing works. I get it. But the NBA, it's structured differently than football. You know? Yeah, you're the quarterback. You want a guy who's a stud, but like he's only one of 11 on the field. Basketball, you're one of five. And in this sport, if you have one guy, let's say like John Moran, who is super dominant, that's going to take you places where you dream of going. You know? And R.J. Barrett being a young player and being a good player, I can't say he's a great player. He's a good player. I don't know if he'll ever be a great player. Right? We had this conversation ever since the summertime. My point is, if you want to then go out and acquire that great player, I like to say the disgruntled superstar on some other team which you know that there's plenty of, they always seem to pop up in the NBA. You have to give to get. And another team is going to look at the Knicks and they're going to look at their list of good players, R.J. Barrett being one of them, young. And unfortunately, you might have to part ways with a guy like that to bring in an even better player. And I don't think you apologize if that happens. You almost hope that happens. That's how you get better. That's how you get to the next level. Instead of sitting here looking at a Knicks team that's 7-7, seven and seven, which is the epitome of mediocrity, which probably their best-case scenario is somewhere in that playing tournament between 7-10. and 10. If you want to get back into that top four legitimately and stay there, you need a stud player. They don't have that guy. They went out and spent a bunch of money on Jalen Brunson. Jalen Brunson, a good player. He's not a stud player. You know that. I know that. So we'll see which team gets there first with the respective player, or if at all. 800-919-3776. Chris, Long Island. He's up next here on 98.7. Christopher, how are you? Hey, how's it going, Dang? I love your show, and I just want to say uh, you do a great job on the pre- and post-game for the Jets. Thank you, Christopher. Appreciate you. Yeah, so if you just um, hear me out for a second, I I just uh, want to talk about the Jets a little bit and how, you know, no matter what they do, I feel like they don't get any – any credit and you know if you look back to and I think that's because of the quarterback but if you look back to you know Tom Brady and Roethlisberger early on in their careers they weren't putting up any gaudy numbers it was you know defense and running the ball that really that really carried those teams so I don't see why you know the defense being what it is for the Jets this year and how good the running game is why we can't make a a deep run at, at, at this you know you can. I mean, forget about Brady and Roethlisberger. I mean, you did it with Mark Sanchez in, in, in 09 and 2010, right? I mean, it, you're right. The formula has already been proven that it works. And, and look, for the time being, that's okay. 
right? That's okay. You still have a couple of years to decide whether or not this quarterback is indeed going to be the answer, that he is going to be the guy for the next 10, 12 years. That's what you hope. But you don't need to make that decision by the end of the year. It's not like he's in a war. Like, Daniel Jones, Giants need to know by the end of the year because they got a decision to make on him contract-wise, right? This is already year number four for him. So they got to decide, are we bringing the guy back? Are we locking him up long-term? Are we going to put the franchise tag on him? How are we going to approach this? Zach Wilson's still under contract for two more years before you got to worry about that 50-year option, right? There's still some time. But they're going to be faced with that decision just like everybody else. All right, I also mentioned, you know, real quick with uh, on baseball with the Anthony Rizzo stuff. I thought it was a no-brainer by the Yankees. Good move. Veteran player, money player, you know, one of the few guys, he might be the only guy in the Yankees that has a World Series ring, believe it or not, as a player, right? And he did that. So that's a guy you feel comfortable. Have it on your team at first base, you don't got to worry about it. You know, he got his $40 million bucks guaranteed over the next couple of years, good for him. But this, I, I, I'm hearing that, like, people are trying to read into the signing that just because Anthony Rizzo now is back, and that he's really good friends with Aaron Judge. That this is now an indicator that Aaron Judge is going to re-sign with the Yankees. Huh? What? Like, r- really? Like, I couldn't believe that, like, actually professionals were trying to make this claim. And I'm thinking to myself, these are two grown men, professional athletes, who combined have made easily well over $100 million in their professional career in terms of earnings. You know, real money. I'm, I'm talking serious money here. And because Anthony Rizzo is back with the Yankees, Aaron Judge is going to look at that and say, oh, I'm back, 100%. The dude turned down. Let, 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 let's try to break this down for a second. The dude said no to $213 million while Anthony Rizzo was already on the team this year. And I don't know about you. Like, I, I consider myself a pretty good friend. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm pretty loyal. Friend needs me, boom, I'm there. You know, I'm one of those guys. But if somebody put $213 million in front of me, whether my friend was here or he wasn't here or there was no guarantee that he I'm I'm signing it. You know, uh, uh, that that has no friendship is different than business, business outside of those are two different things. Right. I got a family to answer to. I got to think about those things. People even closer to me than my friends. So when I hear this assertion that Aaron Judge is going to sign with the Yankees because Anthony Rizzo, his buddy, is coming back. I mean, what the hell is this? Fifth grade? I'm going to go on and, and hang out here because Jimmy, my buddy, is here. I want to go play on that team, and, and, you know, I want to be on that team because my buddy, my best friend, is on that team. Huh? What? I'm going to pick him, you know, down at the playground. We're picking teams. I'm picking him because he's my best friend. This is professional sports. What are we doing? Stop. I'll tell you what, if Anthony Rizzo was really that good of a friend to Aaron Judge, and if they're as close as everybody is making them out to be, if Aaron Judge takes less to come back to the Yankees, like if I was Anthony Rizzo, and I knew that Aaron Judge left, let's say, I'm just throwing a number out there, 30 or $40 million 
on the table from, let's say, the San Francisco Giants to re-sign with the Yankees because I'm on the team, I slap him across the face and I say, what the hell's the matter with you? Go get that money. Go get the damn money. Forget about me. And I mean, I should also point this out too. Aaron Judge, he's younger than Anthony Rizzo. Anthony Rizzo's only on this team guaranteed for two more years. What happens after that? You realize that if Aaron Judge gets the seven, eight-year deal that he wants, that there's going to be a lot of years that he's wearing the Yankee uniform that, Aaron, that Anthony Rizzo's not going to be on the Yankees. Then what? What is he going to do, cry? Is he going to cry in his locker every day because he misses Anthony Rizzo? What, is he going to FaceTime him sitting in his locker before the game? I miss you, I miss you. The $300 million doesn't do enough to, to you know, make the uh, heart grow any less fonder? Oh, my God. I mean, at the end of the day, Judge is going to sign with probably, if he's smart, the team that gives him the best offer. Loyalty only takes you so far. There's no loyalty in sports. It's been proven time and time and time again. There's no loyalty. You know, they're loyal to you one minute, and then the next minute they kick you to the curb when you no longer can provide a service for them. That's how loyalty works. It works like that in any business, in any walk of life. So if a team is throwing a lot more money at me, you know what? I'm taking it. And the thing I keep coming back to more than anything, when Judge says, you know what, it's not about money, it's not about money, it's not about money. You know what? If it's not about money, then why did he say no to $213 million? I don't know about you, but I think I can make do with $213 million. I think that's an honest wage that I can get by with. You know? I can go grocery shopping once a week. I could fill my car up with gas, get the essentials, you know, milk, bread, water, those type of things. I think $213 million would cover it. I think he wants to get paid. And Hal Steinbrenner could sit there and say that, you know, Yankees are going to make every effort and money ain't going to be an obstacle or any of those things to resign. Well, that's great, but how does Hal know where the money is going to go? How does Hal know what type of offers some of these other teams are going to throw in front of Aaron Judge? He doesn't know what San Francisco's cooking up. He doesn't know what the Dodgers are cooking up or some other team out there. He's got no idea. In Hal's mind, he might be thinking, oh, yeah, we're going to max out at 275, and that should be it. That should get him. Or 300, let's say. Oh, yeah, we'll spend 300. No big deal. Okay, great. What happens if somebody throws 350 at him? You going to match it? Going to come close? But be damn sure knowing that Anthony Rizzo ain't going to factor into what Judge's decision is. That's comical to me. Comical. 800-919-3776. Remember, we're on until 930 tonight. Then it's Nick's Nuggets. Dan Gross's show, 9870 ESPN. This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. On ESPNU right now, like the, uh, we call it, you know, we call it Maction. That's like the, the catchphrase. But the MAC conference in college football, once November hits, the MAC conference plays their games on Tuesdays and Wednesday night. You know, it gives them a little bit of an identity. You know, they're standalone games. It's a chance to showcase because, you know, it's, it's good football. It really and truly is. You know, they're not as big name schools and whatnot, but. It's good football, and if you like the sport, it's fun to watch. So right now, Western Michigan is playing Central Michigan in a snow globe. It's Like, I love watching these snow games, especially if I don't have to sit in it. But it's made for TV. It's tremendous. So 
Western Michigan, Central Michigan, they are having a dandy trying to figure out, uh, you know, how to score some points. One of them tried a field goal a little while ago, and uh, let's just say it didn't work out that well. But, yeah, I mean, this Sunday, I don't know what's going to happen with the Browns-Bills game. They're talking like three feet of snow by Sunday night in Buffalo. I don't know if they're going to be able to play that game or at least play it in Buffalo. You know, in the past, remember, they've moved games to, like, Detroit, and Detroit is available this week because the Lions are going to be here playing the Giants. I don't know if the NFL maybe steps in and, and sends Cleveland and Buffalo to, to Ford Field and have them play the game there just so they can play it. But I don't know how you're going to be able to get that thing in if the weather holds true to the forecast. I mean, that's insane. Three feet of snow? And here we freak out if we get, like, you know, two inches. You got to have wall-to-wall coverage around the clock on the news and, you know, send the entire team out to the field and to interview this person who saw a snowflake in their backyard and how they're going to be able to cope with it and did they stock up on all the essentials at the grocery. You know, people rob the grocery store and then clean that thing out because, God forbid, there might be a dusting of snow and you're not going to be able to leave your house for like four years apparently. I don't know. Let's say hi to uh, Ben in New York. He's up next here on 98.7. Benny, how are you? Great. How are you? What's up, Ben? Great. So I was actually a big judge guy during the season. It's all got to bring back judge or else we're going to look like the 2019 Orioles, just whiff, whiff, whiff. But you know what? Now I'll tell you the truth. I'm not dying for him because he's going to be, what, at least 40 million minimum or, you know, 50 sounds a little better. You know, you have people who give you absolute crap like, oh, he deserves this money. Well, you know, I don't work that way. You don't deserve money. Yeah. I'm not going to pay for the five, six years that you weren't on. And if we're going to be giving him $50 million, you know, if he hits, you know, 290, 30 homers, 100 RBIs, I mean, that's good, but for, for 50 a year? Well, Ben, I mean, let me on, ask let's... you a question, though. Why, why do you think that he wouldn't deserve that money? No, when I, when I mean deserve, I mean, like, pay him up. People are like, oh, he deserved that money. Well, I don't care if, he's, if I don't think he's going to continue this, I like what, what he's doing, which I don't think he will. I think he's going to be a nice, solid player. Trey Turner, I think, is going to do the same thing, but, what, 25 less? Well, see, look, look, if we're going to sit here and say, is Aaron Judge going to hit 60 home runs again? Probably not, because that's unrealistic. Nobody in the history of the American League hit that many home runs before he did this right. year. Right, so you, you want to give that guy 50? Well, he hit 62, give it to him. Well, if he's not going to hit it again, I ain't giving him nothing. But here's like, the problem, If you want to be a nice player, great, but for 50? Here's the problem, though, Ben, and I thank you for the phone call. If, if the Yankees don't give it to him, somebody else will. And I don't think it's going to command $50 million. You know, talking to different people and, and so on and so forth and reading different things, the kind of loose projection for Judge, when you're talking about what type of contract he's going to command from somebody, whoever it is, probably seven, eight-year range, maybe about 320, 330. So, yeah, you're looking at $40 million a year. But you know what? That's the going rate. I mean, the Mets gave Max Scherzer $43 million a year, a guy who's close to 40 years old, whose best baseball is probably behind him. But they knew that if they wanted him here for at least a couple of years to, to you know, hopefully add a big-time presence at the top of that rotation, it's going to cost $43 million. And you know what? Down the stretch, it came back to bite him. Because in the two biggest games of the year that he pitched, he didn't pitch well. But that's the going rate to get a marquee player. And some team, whether it's the Yankees or somebody else, is going to give Judge $40-plus million a year. That's how it works. 
We'll talk NBA when we come back. Our pal Justin Termini of NBA Radio joins me. We're going until 9.30, then it's Knicks Nuggets. Dan Gross' show, 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. We're only taking it for another half an hour, then we're going to turn things over to our friend Pat O'Keefe. He's got pregame Knicks Nuggets. And then, of course, Ed and Brendan with the call coming up at 10 o'clock. And you know what? Let's continue that basketball theme now, bringing on our next guest. You can hear him each and every weekday from 4 to 7 on Sirius XM NBA Radio. And if you don't even want to listen, you can go on the old NBA app and you can watch his beautiful mug do the radio show for three hours. It is our good pal Justin Termini, who's nice enough to uh, carve out some time from his busy schedule to join us here on the program. JT, how are you? Hey, he's doing well. Yeah, i got to carve out a lot of time because now that they put me on the app and you can actually watch me, the female population didn't realize it was such a good-looking guy, so they're all sliding into the DMs, and I've been on date after date. So I, I just had to walk away from the table for a second in order to do this sit-down with you, Dan. Now, th- now this is big, and by the way, it's great to catch up with you. We haven't spoken in a while, so it's great to hear your voice. Now, now second of all, because you are big time now with the app, I, I hope that you're being taken care of, at least from a, uh, a, a nice reparation standpoint, that, you know, now you're being seen on the app, you should see some of that action. You know what I'm talking about? Well, I'm being financially compensated. That's how I afford all these dates. I, I go out and I, I spend the money on the meal. So I'm, I'm redistributing in other directions. There you go. That's good. That's NBA money. The NBA's got plenty of money, so they should be giving it to Termini if he's going to be on the app, 100%. Um, Now, look, we're only 15 or so games in, so we still really don't know all too much about these teams yet. I mean, we're not even a quarter of the way through the season. But at least as far as the Knickerbockers are concerned, seven up, seven down, they are mediocre thus far. What are your impressions of what you've seen from Tom Thibodeau's bunch? Yeah, I mean, I think that's the problem is they're mediocre, and that's the worst place to be in the sport. I know that Danny Ainge is one of the better executives, right? And something he's always said, uh, something that I've heard Mark Cuban say, Danny Ferry said it to me in an interview a couple of years ago when he was running the Atlanta Hawks and he got in trouble for it, is because he's like, I don't even want that eighth seed. I'd rather have that ninth seed and have an opportunity at the number one overall pick uh, in the draft. Is You don't want to be stuck in the middle. That's where they are right now. And the thing that's concerning is, like, you just look around the rest of the league, and I really like Jalen Brunson. But if you're a Knicks fan, like, all right, Orlando, for example. Orlando's way worse than you, but they have Pavel Bancaro. Do you have anybody in your roster as good nope. as that young rookie or even Franz Wagner? I'm not sure that you do. You look at the Detroit Pistons. They have Kate Cunningham. Okay, so they stink, but they still have a future star. Jalen Green, the number two overall pick last year for, for Houston, averaging over 26 points per game over his last six, shooting above 50%. Do you have a guy that can score like that? Shea Gilders Alexander, you might be worse than the Thunder. Do you have anybody like that in your roster? So I think that's the concern is like, okay, we're uh, okay, we're good enough to be mediocre. We're not the worst team, but we also don't have a future building block to build around that some of these bad teams, you know, do. You know, it's funny you say that, and I agree. They don't have that alpha male. They don't have that stud. They don't have the franchise player. They've got a few very good players, but not the franchise player. And there were a couple of games last week they played, which to me it really rang true. The Brooklyn game, which for the you know better part of the conversation you could say was a no-show. The Oklahoma City game on Sunday where they didn't bother to defend and they gave up 145 points. Even in a game like the Brooklyn one, JT, 
All right. If nothing is going your way, if you've got that stud on your team, at least he's somebody that can guarantee you can guarantee a basket from him when you're going down the floor, at least to maybe stop the bleeding every so often. They don't have that guy. And we've seen already a few games in the early portion of the season to where they don't have somebody to stop that onslaught once the other team gets going. Yeah, and something else that like RJ Barrett, I guess, is the guy that was supposed to be that, at least when you're picking number three overall in the draft, right? And it's got to kill you that you missed out on, on Zion and John Morant by just one pick. But like, even look at the other number threes in recent years. I'm watching a game right now, uh, Celtics and Hawks, right? So the third overall pick in, I believe, 2017 was Jason Tatum. Uh, in 2016, it was Javon Brown. So those guys were the third overall pick. The following year, 2018, it's Luka Doncic, and then it's R.J. Barrett. So all three of those guys are awesome, right? The, the, the three number three picks leading up to 2019, all awesome, all home runs. Then we look at last year, okay, to what, 2021, it's Evan Mobley, like any of those guys, just future studs, maybe, you know, all NBA teams, maybe MVPs in the case of Luka and Tatum. And then you get the number three pick, and it's not the Knicks' fault. I don't think the draft was very good that year. And it ends up being R.J. Barrett, whose game just hasn't developed. He's been shooting 40% now, it feels like, uh, every single year. 22 years old. Okay, so obviously, you know, he's littered with the potential word, right? Because he's so young, he's developing, he could be this, this, and this. But these were the conversations that we were having over the summer when they were in the Donovan Mitchell sweepstakes, and we had to deal with those rumors. And there were so many fans that I talked to that, God forbid, didn't want to include RJ in any trade for Donovan Mitchell because he can be this guy, everything that you just outlined. But he isn't that guy yet, and frankly, we don't know if he will be that guy. So I ask you the question, what do you think, R.J. Barrett, ultimately the ceiling is going to be here? No, I don't think it's what Donovan Mitchell is right now. And I wasn't somebody that was crazy about Donovan Mitchell. I, and that's got to kill you now that you haven't had a great start if you're the start of the season for the next. And Mitchell has looked like, you know, the, the best player on a team that could contend for a title because Cleveland's really good and Mitchell's been their best player so far. Uh, so I, I don't think the R.J. Barrett ceiling is there. And the other aspect of this is like, okay, well, if we've got young players, let's develop them. Lottery pick R.J. Barrett, haven't loved his development. Lottery pick Obi Toppin, I'm not even sure why he doesn't play a little bit more because I do like the energy that he brings to the table. He hasn't necessarily developed as nicely as you'd like to see it. So uh, I'm concerned about the development of both those guys who are both high picks. Justin Termini of NBA Radio joining us here on 9870 ESPN. So, like, when you look at the makeup of this team, like you said, you know, they're stuck in the middle, it's mediocre, and I don't know long-term, like, if Tom Thibodeau is ultimately going to be able to maximize and squeeze more victories out of this club than maybe the talent is even willing to produce here. So, like, what's the end game for this team if they don't go out there and maybe try to secure some all-star caliber player on another roster? Yeah, and I guess you have to, like, say that they're going to put all these pieces together, uh, these assets they have, to try and get the next upset star. But I will tell you, if Utah would like that star, right, if Oklahoma City would like that star, then they have more pieces, in, in, in my view, to give up. Maybe even if San Antonio has more pieces that they can include in the trade in order to get the next upset star so if that's what they're banking on okay but cleveland got him this time you might not have the next uh, the most assets going to the next star that's available but like i i've been comparing it recently to well what's going on in detroit right because mm -hmm. uh a couple of months after leon rose got the job troy weaver got the job in detroit very similar situation bleak future and 
that organization. Now, granted, they had the benefit of the number one pick, a number four pick, but they looks like they hit it out of the park here with Jaden Ivey. They certainly did with Kate Cunningham. That roster has turned around very quickly. Jalen Duran, a guy they got in a deal, actually, on draft day with the Knicks. I really like that kid as well. Uh, they add Bogdanovich through a trade. Like, he got the job a couple of months after Leon Rose. He's done a much better job uh, changing the trajectory of the future in, in Detroit, even though the team does not look good right now. I trust their future a little bit more than Leon Rose has done with the Knicks. I agree with you on that. Detroit is a team to keep an eye out for. I mean, certainly Jaden Ivey, Nick fans wanted him on draft night, even though it was a pipe dream. But, you know, he certainly is going to have a bright future here. Um, on the flip side, you look at Brooklyn. Last night, you know, it was nice that they showed up, but, you know, they didn't bother to play any defense, and it looked like an all-star game out there, giving up a buck fifty-three. I thought that Steve Nash was back coaching the team last night, given the fact that, you know, we were supposed to be convinced that the commitment to defense was going to be there now under Jacques Vaughn, which it was, I guess, for a couple of games. Um, is this team going to stay together all year long, or do you think that, well, who knows how the Kyrie situation is going to play itself out, but do you think even as they are presently constituted right now that that is going to be the net team even when it's all said and done? Yeah, I don't think so, but you also can't ask me to get into the head of Kyrie Irving, Ben Simmons, and Kevin Durant because they might be the three most erratic stars we've ever seen on the same roster in the history of the NBA. Uh, but it's all dependent, I think, on Kevin Durant. And like him coming out today with these comments in the media and talking about, like, I really am a leader and I'm not going to tell Kyrie to get the vaccine. So that's fine. But then in the same breath, you're criticizing your starting lineup. And I understand where Durant's coming from, where he's like, hey, i got Nick Claxton in the starting lineup. I've got Edmund Sumner. I've got, uh, you know, Joe Harris. Okay, that's not great, but is that fair to throw those guys under the bus? No. Like, I don't think you can do that either. So I think those comments were completely inappropriate. And at some point, uh, you can see the frustration building. You saw it in that interview that he gave last night to Chris Haynes, the Bleacher Report. So at some point, I would assume that he's dealt. But I think the value has come down a little bit more. I don't think Boston any longer would give up to Jalen Brown uh, if, if that's what, you know, I'm not sure Toronto would throw in Scotty Barnes. Uh, even though he hasn't played as well this year as he did last year, and he got a bright future. Uh, so uh, I would anticipate that, yeah, teams around the league are bracing for Durant to be moved prior to the deadline. And you know what's funny about that? He throws the other guys in the starting lineup under the bus in the interview. But last year, when he was trying to explain away, you know, why things didn't work out them work out for them last year, and he mentioned all these guys were hurt, you know, mentions, oh, we didn't have Joe Harris all year because he was hurt. Okay, so Joe Harris was a big loss for you last year, but now he's just some bum like the other four guys that you're playing with in the starting lineup. It's like, make up your mind. You know, you can't have it both ways. Exactly. I mean, whatever suits your, your purpose, right? You, know, you need the excuse last year, oh, we didn't have Joe Harris. This year, oh, you know, Joe Harris isn't good enough for me. So, uh, listen, the bottom line is we're four years in. This team's won one playoff series together, uh, and they're supposed to have all these all-time – oh, the greatest offensive player of all time in Kevin Durant, uh, the you know, most skilled point guard of all time in, in Kyrie Irving, and it's resulted in one playoff series win. While the Golden State Warriors, who Durant played for, won an NBA championship, and the Boston Celtics, who Kyrie played for, got to the NBA Finals, and look at what they were. They got swept in the first round. So what does that tell you about the leadership skills and how those guys fit into a team concept? They should have been part of the trophy ceremony last year, I thought. Have both of those guys there. You know, like They this should have made them hand it out. <laughs> they should have made Durant hand it out. At the, uh, that would have been uh, great. Night there. Oh, that would have been great. Maybe, maybe film another episode of whatever show he does or whatever. The you know they, they could have the cameras rolling. Use it as an op to maybe get some ratings or something. Um, what do you think happens to the Lakers the rest of the way? Does LeBron and or AD, you think, get moved at some point? 
Well, so LeBron can't get moved as a result of signing that extension. So uh, he has to play out the entire season there unless he forces the league to change the rules. And I'm sure that he and and Clutch Sports think that they can probably convince the commissioner to change the rules to suit him uh, because his ego is that big. But, uh, no, I mean, LeBron's just going to have to sit through this and and watch what happens when, you know, you pick the talent. You don't allow the GM to do it. And you want to bring in Russell Westbrook instead of DeMar DeRozan. And you as the smartest player that's ever played, knows you can make it work with Russell Westbrook and we in the media better keep the same energy. Well, I mean, I'm looking for the same energy for LeBron uh, now that he demanded it out of us. Uh, this is the worst team in the NBA outside of Houston uh, as far as the record is concerned. I don't see any way they turn it around. I think they'd be idiotic to trade their 2027 and 2029 first round picks. You trade those picks if you're like if you're Milwaukee, if you're Boston, if you're Phoenix, if you're Golden State, you trade those picks if it guarantees you a championship or a legit shot. You don't trade those picks so you can be like the seventh or the eighth seed, and that's all that would happen if they traded those picks. It was like you know maybe we can qualify for the postseason. They're not going to mean a, an NBA title. I just find it funny because I I actually compare it to what's going on in New York with the Yankees, and I think the Steinbrenner kids are a little bit more successful than Jeannie Buss, even though she just won a championship in the bubble two years ago. It's you get the team from your father, your father accomplishes everything, uh, and you run it in a different way than the way you saw your father run it for years because you got Jeannie Buss out there. Since her father uh, passed away, the first full season after her pa- father passed away, I think mm-hmm. it was 2014, until today, they have the fourth most losses in the NBA. The fourth. Now, they got a championship in there, but they were only saved by LeBron, who wanted to live in L.A., and Anthony Davis, who demanded to go there. Outside of that, what have they actually done by, like, putting together a good organization? They just lucked out because LeBron and Anthony Davis wanted to play there because of where they're located. If they were running the organization the same way in a different location that didn't benefit from, you know, being in Hollywood, uh, then they'd be the worst team in the sport by far. And I think as time has passed, I'm sorry. I'm looking at that bubble championship as a little fugazi. I don't know about you. Now you have to after what they've looked like since. Of course. I don't. And, I mean, Miami wouldn't even have gotten to the finals if it was normal real-life world stuff with traveling oh, and having to go no, into opposing bet, gyms. Yeah. Exactly. No, they benefited to great, maybe even more than the Lakers in my estimation. They were not a very good team. Not at all. JT, this was fun, my friend. Appreciate you hopping on as always. And uh, have yourself a great Thanksgiving, and uh, I'm sure we'll catch up again real soon. Yeah. All right, Dan. Thanks for having me on, buddy. Enjoy your evening. All right. You'll be good. There's our pal Justin Termini. NBA Today, 4 to 7 Eastern, each and every weekday on Sirius XM NBA Radio. Or, you know what? You could watch it on the NBA app. You just download the NBA app, and you could watch his show with Eddie Johnson Uh, over on NBA Radio. So great uh, job by those guys, and great catching up with JT. We come back. We'll close it out on the phones with you. And, and, I got to play something for you, which, if this is not the greatest hype speech to get you psyched for a football game, I don't know if there's anything else that can compare to it, to be quite honest with you. Remember, we're rolling until 9.30. Dan Gross' show, then it's Knicks basketball right here on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Grasser Show on 98.7 ESPN. Remember, we're back with you tomorrow in for Greeny, 10 a.m. to noon. So set your alarms, appointments, reminders, whatever you got to do. Tomorrow morning, not tomorrow night for us, for the uh, old program there. So this week, among the games on the NFL schedule, 
real barn burner, two powerhouses right now in the AFC West. Kidding, of course. But you got the Vegas Raiders with the beleaguered Josh McDaniels, 2-7, and seven, tied for the most losses in football. They're going to go to Denver to take on the 3-6 and six Broncos, led by another head coach who, to put it mildly, just kind of hasn't really figured it all out yet this year. That would be Nathaniel Hackett in his first go-round coaching that football team. So Nathaniel Hackett at his press conference earlier today in sizing up the matchup come Sunday, like I said, if this doesn't get you hyped for the game, and if you're a Bronco fan, and if you know you maybe you're thinking about buying tickets to the game or whatever, if this doesn't hype you up and make you run right out the door and then run right through a brick wall, I don't know what will. Take a listen. Somebody's got to win this game. You know, they're a really good football team. I know everybody looks at records, but in the NFL, I believe that everybody's really, really good. And uh, somebody's going to have to make that final play uh, to be able to make it that. You know, who comes out on top? Okay, so somebody's going to win the football. Somebody's got to win the football game. And somebody's got to make the final play to put the other one out on top. This, it, it deserves this music. You know what? Play it again, Harvey. Play Nathaniel Hackett again with the Raider theme underneath. Just to add some more spice to it and see if we can maybe get like a, a, some extra feel from what Hackett is saying. So, so combine them together. Go ahead. Somebody's got to win this game. You know, they're a really good football team. I know everybody looks at records, but in the NFL, I believe that everybody's really, really good. And uh, somebody's going to have to make that final play uh, to be able to make it that, you know, who comes out on top. (laughs) I don't know what the hell the drone noise was right at the beginning of when he was talking. I I don't know, but you know what? It's appropriate for what this game is going to be. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. And just to think at the beginning, I'm surprised that wasn't like a prime time game because people were, you know, crazy thinking that both of those teams were actually going to be good. Let me squeeze in Tino from Staten Island, my buddy, before we get out of Dodge. Tino, how are you? Ah, oh, Dan, thank you. Same old Dan, just got out of the gym, going to go home watch the Knicks. There you Dan, go. I want to talk a little bit about last night. I got to talk about a little bit of what I like about last night's game and what I don't like about last night. First, I want to give Tibbs a little credit because I'm a harsh critic of his. I feel he finally came to his senses and he said, you know what? Fournier's not working out. He's got to go on the bench. But we talked, me and you talked about this all summer. We talked about, we, we, didn't, we didn't include Grimes in the deal because he's an untouchable. Now he's getting DMPs, Dan. Yep. How is that possible? Well, they're going to chalk it up. Playing? They're going to chalk it up to the okay. foot, and they don't want to risk him going backwards. But I'm with you. I need to start seeing this guy out there because otherwise you can only use the foot thing so far. He's healthy now, Dan. That excuse, I think, has got to go away now. He's healthy. What he needs to do now, but the problem is he's so loyal to Derrick Rose. He's got to tell Derrick Rose, your time is up, buddy. Grimes is taking your spot. IQ's moving to the backup point guard for Brunson, and Grimes is going to play. I know he's going to hurt his feelings, but his time is up. He's got to go to the bench now, too. Tino, Tino, listen, I got Tino. I got to let you go though because we got to get it off to the Knicks. But I thank you for calling. You're absolutely right. Another guy needs to play more is Obi. Play Obi more. If you're shortening rotation, find more minutes for that guy. He gives you some boost. Gives you some energy. All right, that's going to do it for us. Thanks to Justin Termini and Greg Bedard. Thanks to Harvey. Thanks to Julian. Pat's coming up next with the Knicks. I'll talk to you again tomorrow morning at 10 a.m. Everybody, Dan Gross is saying so long here on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. <laughs>